Father, we thank You for sending Your Son. Lord, that through Him, Lord, You give us the promise of life. Lord, that as You work through holy baptism, that You create us to be new creatures in Him. That we would share in life eternal with Him forever. We would ask this day that You break Your words small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. Over the past few weeks, we have had the opportunity to dig in to the book of Colossians. To the letter that Paul writes to the early Christians there in Colossae. And if you've brought your Bible along with you or you have it on your phone, or perhaps you pick this up later when you hear it recorded, I would invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 3, which was our second reading for the day. Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. As Paul writes to this fledgling church, time and again he has reminded them of the identity that they have through their baptisms into Christ. And today is no exception. Put on. Look above. I met a man, and as he came closer to the cross, and as he learned more about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus... He said, I need to be baptized. Well, absolutely. But then after he was baptized, he goes away and he comes back a couple weeks later and he says, my whole life has fallen apart. He said, I thought this was supposed to make everything better. I thought that by following Jesus, that somehow it would make the relationship with my wife better. My relationship with my kids better. That it would give me greater peace in my job. That I wouldn't feel so anxious. So then we ask, Is there a magic bullet? Is there something that we can do that suddenly takes away fear and anxiety? Do we treat baptism like it's just simply fire insurance? You see, being baptized does not automatically inhibit our desire to sin. It doesn't remove us from the brokenness in the world around us, or 
that which we create. It does offer absolution and forgiveness. But actually, more than that, we are called to engage this as a struggle that we are confronted with daily. See, Luther would talk about this in the small catechism in terms of the way that we are to daily die in the old Adam so that we can rise in the new. So that we can die to the old broken things, the things, as Paul says, that are of earth. And he's not talking spatial. He's talking fall, brokenness, sin. So that we might rise from the waters as new people. So we seek that which is above. We look to where Christ is. Where He reigns over brokenness and depravity and darkness. And that's where we set our hope. That's where we put our minds. So that there is hope over despair. So that we might... Love over loathing, and to grant unity over division. But see, then as Paul goes on and he writes a little more, he begins to name out these things, sexual immorality, obscene talk, anger, covetousness, Passion, evil desire, impurity. See, we're not removed from the mundane. And being a follower of Christ leads us to greater engagement with the world and not less. And see, this is huge for us as the people of God. I have to admit, it's easy to underestimate the body of Christ. We find ourselves isolated into our own situations and we get to a point where we think, it's, how am I going to get out of this? Or as a family, how is our family going to get through this? And so you start to kind of figure things out so that as you piece together things your way, then you feel this confidence of having a solution, a plan. And I can tell you that in our story over the winter, every time I felt like we had figured something out, God would go, oh yeah? I'm going to turn you upside down. I'm going to shake it all back out again. When a church worker, or in our case, a pastor, accepts a call to a congregation... 
in the rite of installation, there is this mutual commitment that takes place where there is an acknowledgement from the congregation to love and support those that they have called to serve in ministry with. See, that's the difference between an employer and a congregation. See, an employer, they give you benefits, and they say, okay, well, you know, you've got FEMLA, you've got all these things, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of on your own. But instead, see, the church, we set our mind on things above, and we watch what God does to meet the needs that we have so that we don't lose ourselves in the mundane So that we are not removed from it. But then we're confronted with the fact that we're hypocrites. Paul gives us this list. And like the Ten Commandments, you can walk down each one and you can try and justify why you aren't guilty of it. And in some cases, you genuinely may not be. But in other cases, you know what you've done is wrong. And so then we say one thing and we do another. We say we're called to lives of holiness, but then our lives don't look holy at all. You see, our goal as a congregation has been to walk with broken people through really hard stuff. And in doing so, it confronts us with the reality that what we do after we fall down is actually what matters more. That rather than staying and swimming in a swamp and trying to justify why we belong there, instead we get up and we say two words. I'm sorry. Or it could say I failed. Or any variant of that. I let you down. I hurt you. I've caused offense. Will you forgive me? And in that we learn and grow in both heart and mind. Put off the old self with its practices. Those things where we would hold and bear grudges against each other and against God. Put off the old self and put on the new self. And this self is different because it's in the image of the Creator. And it's being renewed. It's not a static thing. It is constantly growing in you through faith by the work of the Holy Spirit. So much so, 
Sometimes even the preacher feels the weight of that as well. You see, the game changes. When we know with confidence and conviction that you have a hope of a place in heaven that is secured by Christ. Not by anything that we do or have done, but instead a place that is already secured in Christ. And so Paul says in this new identity that you have been given, be what you are. And that changes everything. When we first established care with the cardiologist here in Anchorage, I asked, I said, are you a man of faith? And he was kind of taken aback. And I don't know why I asked, but he said, well, actually, yeah, I am. And it wasn't until we were working through everything after we found out about Maggie and that Nikki had to leave to go to Boston where he had spent almost a half hour on the phone with Nikki that then he turned around and picked up the phone and called me and did the exact same thing. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And he said, it's going to be okay. You see, a man of faith believes that miracles are a reality. A man of faith believes that the impossible is possible because they've experienced it themselves as God works in and through them. See, Paul says God's going to Enter in. His wrath is coming because of all of these broken things. All of these things that separate us from God. Or more appropriately, anything that binds you to brokenness, that's the reason that God comes with His wrath. Give us freedom. To liberate us from the captivity of our own sin. So Paul says, stop hurting each other. These things that he speaks at the end of our readings... These are things that affect our relationships with one another. Those things that we do to cause pain in each other. And in fact, I would go so far as to say that stop hurting each other because when you do, you hurt the whole body. But likewise, the pursuit on things that are above, builds up the body. See, there's a reason that 
Concordia plan wanted to be able to share the story of God working through beautiful Savior and First Lutheran Church in Boston and every prayer warrior that we had from one coast to another, from the north to the south and the east and the west. Because it's different. We do things differently because of who we are in Christ to the point that when people are astonished by it, we go, what's the big deal? That's just part of who we are. It's in our identity. It's part of our core. But we know that at the end of the day, That when we have done all that we could, it's still never enough. And we give glory to God that He sends His Son to bridge that gap so that the glory remains His now and forevermore. Amen. Our worship continues this morning as we bring our gifts and offerings before the Lord.